Let's stand together. Merry Christmas to you from the church today, and it's good to be in God's house on Christmas Eve. Amen. We welcome you, and we're glad for each one that's here this morning. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time of the year when we can celebrate Jesus coming. Not as a babe, just not as just a nativity, but as our Savior. We thank you for for the gift of grace in our Sunday school lesson this morning. Again, dear Lord, a reminder that's there, and we just praise your name today. We want to serve you. We want to love you with all of our hearts. Help us each one to do just that. Be with us today, throughout the day, and for all that's done, we'll give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right, a couple thank yous. With appreciation, asking God to bless you for your thoughtfulness and your kindness and your generous heart. Thank you so much. I want to thank all those who prepared the food gift for our seniors. It was lovely. Uh, Carol Ulrich. So we're glad, the church is glad to do that each year. And uh, we, we uh, were able to get out and distribute those. And we think about Christmas time, um, you know, when you've lost a spouse and uh, you're home alone, um, it just helps. Somebody stops by. And uh, so. I would encourage you, keep that practice going in your life. Uh, spend time uh, trying to encourage those that maybe haven't, uh, you know, maybe have a little difficult time. My wife and I were uh, talking today or yesterday, I guess. This is going to be our first year, I think, probably, in 70 years of marriage. Well, our first year since we've been married that we're going to be home. We're planning to be home all day, Christmas Day, uh, with our family at our house. We've always gone, well, we've taken you know, gone back and forth to family members and uh, for years and various different things. And it's our first year without dad. Uh, but I thought, you know what? Uh, dad wouldn't want to come back. Dad would not want to come back. Heaven's going to be worth it all. Heaven's going to be worth it all. And uh, we, we look forward to seeing him again, look forward to heaven. And that's why I'm so thankful about Christmas. I've just been praying, asking God, God, would you help Christmas to mean more to me this year than it's ever meant before? And you know what? It, it, it does. It just feels that way every day, just sensing uh, the Lord's presence and his help and uh, the true meaning of Christmas. So, and I think yesterday, uh, I think the church helped make a lot of people's day. And so I want to read this to you. Thank you, dear church family. Thank you doesn't seem adequate in describing our appreciation for your support in the bus ministry over this past year. The ministry would not be possible without your support and prayers. Thank you, thank you to each of you who have made meals, helped with the crowd control, knocked on doors, made cookies. We are grateful. Love, Jeff and Britt. P.S. And it said, this is legit. It says, so Brother Spangler doesn't invent one smiley face. Thank you for each of the cards and monetary gifts given and cheerful giving. Uh, you warmed our hearts. Of course, this year, those that have uh, been involved in our outreach ministry for a year, at least a year, and we tried to include them in our, in our uh, cheerful giving this year, and we do appreciate um, all, that all that they've done and helping uh, through that. And I think about, you know, talking uh, Friday night, I guess it was, uh, thinking about the outreach ministry in the area, and there are so many places where we could go, so many directions we could go, communities where we haven't even been to. Um, but our facility, uh, what do we do when we get them all here? And uh, they tell me that the room is full uh, downstairs, uh, but uh, maybe, maybe we'll come up with another option. Maybe we'll have to go to two nights a week or something, come up with another uh, option. Um, those that were here last week when I read that little note, uh, from a little feller uh, that just touched our hearts. And so uh, telling the Christmas story at Christmas time, it just feels appropriate, doesn't it? just feels appropriate. So God help us and uh, continue to bless in our outreach ministry. And thank you all to, uh, that were able to help with the cookies. We had a pile of cookies. We had piles of cookies, I should say. And we gave out uh, 70, 72 plates and we had well over a dozen. We heaped them on the plates. And so I'm not sure if all of them were good or not. How was I supposed to know? 
Well, I can tell you this. I did sample a little bit. Jeff wasn't allowed because Brittany's very stringent about that. Yeah, he wasn't allowed, but my wife never didn't tell me I couldn't sample, and I thought, yeah, preacher needs to make sure that it's safe. I heard about 700 people getting sick at a Christmas uh, dinner uh, just recently in another country, and I uh, thought, we don't want that to happen. So I tested the cookies. They seemed to be doing just fine. And uh, so we passed them out, but I just thought, you know, as we were giving those out to the community and uh, different ones, well, they just smile and took that plate, you know, and it, it, it was... Honestly, it was an unfamiliar thing to them in that, you know, you hand somebody a plate of cookies at Christmas and say, this is from the church, Merry Christmas. Uh, it's just such a basic little simple thing that we could do, and yet so many people were taken back. It was a fella, an older fella, whose car was broke down, and he was working on his car, and uh, I thought, well, I'm just going to give this fella. He looks like he could use some cookies, and uh, so I went over and talked to him a little bit about his car, and uh, I said, well, I'd like to give you plate of cookies. He said, oh, he said, aren't these for the children? I said, yeah, but I said, I like cookies and you like cookies. He said, thank you so much. And he said, Merry Christmas to the church. So Merry Christmas. And uh, it is a time of giving and the Bible tells us, I'm going to talk about it a little bit, it's more blessed to, to give uh, than to receive. And when you find that art in your life, uh, you'll know exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said that. So let's take our hymnals and let's join them with Brother Adrian Singer. Alrighty, we'll take our Christmas books this morning. We'll turn to number seven in the Christmas book. Number seven. Oh, come all ye faithful. Let's give it our best this morning in worship.
certainly is worthy this morning, worthy to be praised. All right, let's turn to number 24. Number 24, we don't often sing this. I don't think we've sung it yet here this Christmas season. But the story of the wise men is a very intriguing one. The Bible doesn't actually mention how many there were. Um, they brought three gifts that we know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, so many people think there were three. Some scholars think there were four. One didn't make it. Some think there may have been quite a few, as uh, travel in those days was dangerous. They came a long ways. Jesus was uh, probably maybe a couple of years old until they got there. I don't know how long it took them. But what we do know is God sent them. He sent the star for them to follow. And uh, wise men today are still seeking Jesus. Amen. So uh, let's sing this song about we three kings.
let's remember in all of our giving to remember the greatest gift that was ever given. And uh, we need to think about what we're giving back to him. Obviously, gold is very expensive out of our reach, many of us. Frankincense and myrrh might have to go to the Middle East to get some of that stuff. Uh, but we can give them our lives. That's what he wants. Let's remember that tomorrow. Amen. All right, prayer requests as we go to prayer this morning. Let's remember Pat in prayer. She's very low. And let's remember her uh, family. Thank you so much for, for praying for her. Uh, through the last several weeks, and uh, she, she was uh, semi-responsive last night. Um, but, you know, she, she lived longer than they thought she would, and she lived long enough to make peace with God. And uh, that, means, that means all the difference. But I would ask you to remember her family in prayer today. Let's remember Justin and Brooke Steen, very special prayer request for Justin and Brooke, and ask you just to help us to pray for them really over the next several weeks, a month, uh, here, let's remember Brenda Baker in prayer. Uh, she's she's in the hospital, guys. Singer. She has two, um, at least two blood clots, and needs prayer. And then I think about um, some special, other special needs here at our church, um, physical needs where we need God to touch and help. And uh, I'm so thankful uh, that He is a prayer answering God. He's the great physician. He said, he's the I am, and he's able, he's able. And so we go to him and trust him. And then I'd ask you to remember these um, students that are coming in tomorrow from Papua New Guinea, uh, foreign exchange students that will be coming uh, for the school. Uh, they've never been to America uh, before, and uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of anxiety, a lot of excitement, and uh, but we just pray that God's will will be done in their lives. And he helps them as they come to school to prepare for ministry. And that's exciting. And so I ask you to remember them in their travels and uh, as, they, as they come in to be with us. Do you have any requests on your hearts this morning you want to make mention of? Okay. All right. Let's remember her sister's family. Still in prayer. This one that passed away. Stephen. Stephen. Okay. Let's remember this request. Mary, she'll be in there over Christmas time. Okay. All right. Remember this request for Mary? Don Whitmer family? Yes. Don Whitmer passed away. Let's remember this family in prayer. With a special unspoken request. Let's do remember our outreach, uh, Sunday evening outreach. Uh, tonight, we don't have that, so uh, because of Christmas Eve and missing a night tonight, we'll be back at it next week, And uh, but let's do continue to pray for this outreach and their families. It's nice to see different family members that came in for service last Sunday evening, and uh, so we're just praying God's will be done uh, there. Continue to help us to pray for a van. Yeah, I thought we had a really good deal. I thought that's almost too good to be true, but I was first in line. And then I found out that it was a salvage title and the title had been washed and they didn't know for sure when the title would be ready. So it's just not good to buy from a crook. So I backed off of that one. And, uh, but I uh, ask you to help us to continue to pray, pray about that. The Lord would help, the, help us to find the right one. Unspoken request on our hearts this morning. I'm sure there's other needs and burdens. So let's all stand together this morning for prayer. Brother Eric, Susan, our youth pastor, you lead us in prayer.
seated. A special thanks to uh, Brother Stefano and our Sunday school teachers, our adult class up here that have been uh, teaching and do such a great job. It was a good lesson again uh, this morning. And I thought, you know, we had an online listener that was listening uh, from uh, several states away and uh, somebody that's new to our church but listens through online and uh, just sent us a note and said how much they appreciate Sunday morning service, Sunday school teachers, and uh, our church. And they sent us a check for $500 and, uh, at Christmas time. And uh, so God bless them. And, uh, but I do, I, I was thinking this morning uh, about Brother DiStefano. Uh, we probably should pray for him. He sounds a little gutsy when he's there in the school system teaching sometimes. And uh, we want to pray for him that he doesn't end up in jail. That's sad to say that. But there's probably a lot of truth in it. If he does, of course, we'll bail him out with the $500. <laughs> but uh, I think what a, what a good opportunity, though, uh, to have that influence, a little bit of influence there uh, in the school system. So we do appreciate our, our teachers. So God bless them. All right, ushers, if you'll come. A couple announcements, one to remind you of. Tonight, the candlelight service here at the church. We're looking forward to it. That is at 6 o'clock as opposed to our normal time at 6.30. So I want to make sure you're aware of that time change, 6 o'clock tonight. And then next week, New Year's Eve, the evening service at 6.30 will be a communion service. We're looking forward to that. Rick, would you ask God's blessing in the offering, please? Thank you, God, for the state that you've given us, the opportunity to come to worship God in your presence. We ask now that you bless this offering, bless the gift and the giver, and that you continue to be with us in this service. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, each one, for your giving, and thank you, musicians, for that offertory. Appreciate the musicians here at the church, and each, each one given their talent for the Lord. It really aids in the service. It really does. I'm thankful for each one of the, this morning. Brother Spangler wanted me to remind you an announcement that you will not forget is that there is Christmas candy following the service this morning for each one of you. The ushers will be out there with it, so make sure you get your Christmas candy. All right, do we have a special number in song this morning? All right, they're coming at this time. For the life of me, for the life of me, I could not remember who was on for the special this morning. 
So I guess when you get my age, you'll know what that means. But uh, anyhow, well, we, we, uh, we practice this, and uh, not sure how it's going to go. But we did practice, so uh, we planned about it. But I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, I'm so thankful to know the true meaning of Christmas. Amen. And I was so, my heart was so heavy yesterday around our community. And I thought, we, we really, we live in a heathen country. It's just, yes. I, I don't know how else to say it. But I'm so thankful. I'm, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. And uh, I want to do my best to tell everybody because evidently most people don't know. Mm -hmm. They just don't know. But we want to be faithful. And if we're glad about it, we're glad to be Christians. We're glad to know who he is. Why, we're glad to share it. And so let's just do our part. Listen to these words here. In a little town called Bethlehem So, so many years ago They told him there was no room in the inn But they had no way of knowing Who they had turned away The Lamb of God who would take away Just a story. He is the King of Glory. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. So many people still today don't know who Jesus is. They've never felt his peace within their my life to show them how his love can set them free he's the only one who can cleanse them and make them whole i'm glad i know who jesus is i'm glad i know who jesus is aren't you? Amen. Praise his name. Praise his name. Oh, what a wonderful friend we have in him. Amen. And that's really what makes this Christmas season so rich um, and meaningful in our lives today. We're just, just thrilled to know who Jesus is. I could have been lost, undone, without God, no hope. But many years ago, somebody invited me to go to Sunday school. It wasn't my parents that took me to Sunday school. It was 
somebody else from the church that took me to Sunday school and my siblings and, and uh, what an impact that's had on my life. I didn't get saved back then, you know, it was a little, a little tyke, but I started learning, learning a little bit about Jesus and uh, thank the Lord, thank the Lord when I was seven, a little about seven and a half years of age, my daddy got saved and then dad took us to Sunday school. But I was thinking about those years prior to that. When the first Sunday school I went to, by the way, really didn't teach us about Jesus. We had Kool-Aid and uh, crackers and cookies and toys. That's all I can remember. I don't remember any stories. I don't remember any teacher up front of us. We just played. We opened these big cabinets on the wall and took out these toys. And that's what we did. We played, and then we could go get Kool-Aid and drink Kool-Aid and eat Ritz crackers. I have never cared for Kool-Aid or Ritz crackers since. But then this, this older fella, his name was Meredith Vance. Brother Vance, he was a businessman in the area. And he went to the little Wesleyan church about 20 minutes or so from our place. And uh, he would pick us up every Sunday morning in his Cadillac. He had a beautiful car. I don't know if he traded every year or every two years, but it was always a nice, new, shiny Cadillac. But we'd climb in those big leather seats, and uh, that was our church bus. We rode in style. I thought, you know, he took us to Sunday school, and, and then we went downstairs in a Sunday school class, just really like we do here. We went downstairs in the Sunday school classes, and... Uh, we learned about Jesus. And I think about my teachers, many of which have gone on now. Not all of them, but many of them have gone on now. I think, wow, what an impact that had on my life way back there as a little five-year-old, six-year-old. And then thankfully, my dad got saved in that same church. And that became our church. And I'm glad to know who Jesus is. I'm just glad. I want you to turn your Bibles to one verse of Scripture this morning, John, again. John's Gospel, chapter 1, just verse number 29. Let's stand together. John's Gospel, our Sunday school lesson is uh, coming through here actually right now, but we're, we're moving on here to verse number 29. I want to go to verse number 29. Just one verse of Scripture this morning. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Pastor Brenizer, you pray over the message, please. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the privilege of celebrating Christmas and celebrating Christ this morning. We ask that your presence and spirit be in this service today. We preach, open our hearts, Lord, to the word this morning. It will be pleasing to you. Amen. Maybe seated. I've titled this this morning, This is Christmas. This is Christmas. Driving around the uh, community yesterday, passing out, um, passing out the Christmas cookies that you all made, which you did a fantastic job. Thank you so much. Uh, there, it was a bittersweet experience. I don't even know if I can share my heart the way I feel it this morning on this Christmas Eve. But it was a bittersweet experience. There was both joy there and there was sadness there. Um, there was joy because, you know, it was, a, it was an extended uh, kindness from the church. And people appreciate it so very, very much. Um, but there was a sadness there because I just started noticing something almost right away. But once, once I noticed it, it just continually came before me. And that was this. Everywhere we went, from community to community, everywhere we went, Jesus was missing. There were hundreds, literally hundreds of other things about Christmas. But Jesus was missing. Wow, we went through these places where we go every week into these apartment complexes and, and they were decorated for Christmas and, but it was just kind of an overwhelming thing to me that oh 
where's Jesus? Where's the nativity? There were elves and green monsters, Santa Claus, snowmen, lots of other stuff, but Jesus was missing. The nativity scene. I suppose, I'm not sure, but maybe two that I've noticed. Then my wife and I went on into the nursing home, a local nursing home in our area. We went in to visit some, give out some cookies. And uh, I noticed the same thing. Jesus was missing. I mean, overall, Jesus was missing. You know what, folks? The devil has made a mockery of Christmas. And America seems to be in the driver's seat of it. If there is no Christ in Christmas, then there's no light in the darkness. Without Christ, there's, there's no gospel, there's no hope, there's no heaven. Really, without Christ, there's just no Christmas. John, John is the writer that spends uh, no time describing the nativity. He just, he just jumps in. We've been preaching from John here for the last couple of weeks, but he just sort of jumps right into the story. He doesn't really describe any of the nativities. There's nothing there about Joseph and Mary, nothing about the journey to Bethlehem, and nothing about the inn that was full and the stable that was out back. And he doesn't record anything about the manger or anything about a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes here early in his writing. He says nothing about the shepherds and the angels singing. Instead, he goes directly to what the nativity brought. And he said these words, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, I know that this is already a lot of time has passed by, but he goes, he cuts right to what the nativity has brought for us. Behold the Lamb of God. And that's significant because he said, which taketh away the sin of the world. Dear hearts, this is Christmas. This is Christmas. We love the story of the nativity, and, and uh, we like the stage set around his birth and the scene of him uh, lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. We enjoy hearing it over and over and even acting out the beautiful scenes. We like that. I do. I enjoy it. But that has never been the climax. The fact that he came to deliver you and I from our sins, that he came to cancel our sin debt, to wash our hearts white as snow, to justify our hearts before his Father and set us at liberty to be free in a world where everything is bondage. That's why we celebrate Christmas. It's not just about his coming. It's about the reason that he came. And I suppose in this modern day, this almost sounds blunt and dynamic to say on Christmas Eve morning. But the truth is, the reason we have Christmas is to rescue us from going to a devil's hell. That's why we have Christmas. God simply was not willing that any should perish. So he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus. He just didn't want you or me or anyone else for that matter to be lost forever. Instead, he loved us so much that he planned, he planned for our redemption. That's why we have Christmas. Through the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, the redemptive plan was brought to mankind. And he actually uh, presented us with both an opportunity and a choice. An individual choice. And honestly, the rest is up to you. God put a plan together, a powerful plan together that works. It's all the purpose of Jesus coming. To, to rescue us from a devil's hell. From the consequences of sin. Dean McIntyre said, and I'm not sure if I have this quote exactly right, because I went back to my loose-leaf Bible, and I was, it was missing a couple little phrases in here. And so I'm not for sure where I would have added these from or picked them up somewhere else to add them to this. But Dean McIntyre is the first person that I remember sharing something on this order, order. He said, concerning this plan of salvation, he said, the Father thought it, Jesus brought it and bought it, the Holy Spirit wrought it, the devil fought it, the Bible taught it, I sought it, faith caught it, and I got it. That's the plan of salvation. 
And uh, boy, I just get encouraged when I think about that. Probably as a brand new Christian, because I was a brand new Christian when I came to Penview, ignorant as ignorant could be. Somebody could have said amen. Well, I was a brand new Christian, and I came in here and started hearing some of these concepts. I never thought of salvation in that way. I never thought of salvation that God thought it, that Jesus brought. I just never thought of it. Never dawned on my little mind. But I tell you what, I don't even know where it was along the way, but somewhere I tell you, I really inserted myself into that last little phrase, I got it. And I'm so thankful for the plan of salvation that you and I can experience personally in our hearts. In ages in the factory, either, I was so thankful uh, to marry a young lady many years ago that got saved when she was less than three years old, just a young girl. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to wait until you're 65 or 70 or 80 years old. You don't, have to wait till you don't have to wait till you're a teenager. You don't have to wait like uh, one group of people that I was very familiar with felt like their children needed to go out and sow their wild oats. They needed to go out and get involved in the world, the things of the world, so that there would be something there for God to save them from. That's a trap of the devil. That's a far-fetched lie if I ever heard one. I can remember one time in a particular setting where somebody who was raised that way and taught that way came to me and said, Pastor Spangler, do you actually believe that our children, my children, could get saved at an early age while they're young? I said, well, absolutely I believe that, of course. And all of our children eventually knelt an altar. And thank God for it. I wouldn't want them to go out into the things of the world and get tangled up in the things of the world just so he'd have some. I tell you, the beautiful story, the great testimony is to say he saved me from it before I ever got involved in it. Well, we've said it for years, and we mean it with our whole hearts. After all, these are the very words of Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And we believe that, don't we, as Christians? We're charitable uh, people. But this Christmas gift is brought to us by Jesus Christ himself. Is the greatest blessing one could ever receive. To have peace in your heart, to have sins forgiven, to know it personally. Not just because somebody come along the way and told you, but just to know it deep down inside your heart and be convinced of it that's happened in your life. Jesus became the sacrifice for our sin debt. As John was leading up to in his writings, he eventually gets there. But here he says something that's very important. He says, behold the Lamb of God. Up until uh, this time, and even including this time, the Pharisees were looking for a prophet. They were looking for uh, a king. They were looking for a leader, somebody that could deliver them out from under the Roman yoke that they were under, all the pressure and the care that they were under. But they certainly were not interested in a, in a savior priest. That's not what they were interested in or looking for. Like so many people still today, they want someone who can help them with their problems but not their needs. Well, God sent Jesus because he's interested in what we need. Not just our problems and our issues. He helps with those things too. But he's interested in what we need. And we need salvation and forgiveness of sins. I find it interesting that people are interested in Jesus as long as, as he gives to them what they want. While at the same time he allows them to keep what they already have. Folks, when I got saved it was good to just roll it all out the door. And say, Lord, you can have this. This is the old me. I don't want to go that direction. And I'm so thankful for the conversion process that I believe to be still real today. Still real today. Where you don't have to straddle the fence and try to be Christian on Sunday and what you want to be on Monday. You can serve the Lord every day of your lives. The phrase and the title spoken of John, it's quite significant and it's very defining when he says, Behold the Lamb. It speaks of, of three different things to me. It speaks, first of all, of his moral perfection. His moral perfection and his sinlessness. The Bible records in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 19, it says, A lamb without blemish and without spot. But the same phrase tells about his gentleness. This same phrase here that we have, behold the Lamb of God, it tells about his gentleness. And in Isaiah we can read, he was oppressed... And he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before a shearer is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Again, in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 32, the scripture says, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before a shearer, so he opened not his mouth. You know, Jesus himself said that he could have called 10,000 angels. Remember? 
Put up your sword. Don't you go to bat for me. If I want to, I, I could summons the Father, and he would send 10, 000, a league of 10,000 angels. But that wasn't his plan. He's a spotless lamb then, the gentle lamb then. But most importantly, he's the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He became our hope. He became our answer. He became our deliverer. But this could only be accomplished through his death. For without the shedding of blood is no remission. An old preacher's notebook was opened one day and someone found the words... He was born to die, to live again, that we might live forever. You know, sometimes I think we get tangled up in doctrine. And sometimes I think we need to make it more basic, more simple. He was born to die, to live again, so that you and I might have life everlasting. But wait a minute, Pastor, Christmas isn't about death. It's about a birthday, not a funeral. Oh, yes, but John's statement contains within it not only the beautiful proclamation of a Savior born, behold the Lamb, it also is a foretelling of a sacrifice that's about to be made, the Lamb of God. And this is Christmas. Yet one of the saddest realities in America is that so very few know what Christmas is all about. They, they do not know that he was born. They certainly don't know that he came or why he came. It's not just the children. There are adults over this great country of ours, our land, our country, who have no idea what the true meaning of Christmas is. I love our country. I feel like I'm as red, white, and blue as the next one. I love our country. But honestly, folks, if we look around a bit, our country has become a heathen country. And society is collapsing now all around us. I have a sermon that I preached when I traveled in evangelistic work across the land. And I used to talk there and about, about the societal change, about the generational change from one generation to the next. I used an illustration of, of four generations, and I had four people come up front and stand, and one would stand in the middle and represent the first generation, and somebody would come and stand next to them and represent the second generation, and then the third generation I would have down here, and the fourth generation I'd have over here close to the door. What I tried to illustrate to the people that if we're not careful from one generation to the next generation, we lose the truths of God's Word. We make just a little change here from first generation to second generation. But then that opens the door for the third generation to make an, a, a greater shift. And then fourth generation to make a greater shift. And I gave that illustration because in prayer and studying, I began to notice people that I was familiar with who had that protocol that was performed in their life. Just kind of went from here to here to here to here till by the fourth generation... Many were out of the church completely. But even for those six and a half years that we traveled, I, I said, you know, this doesn't take four, four generations anymore. This is now happening. I am observing this happening now in just three generations. We go from here, the standard that God set his word in the light, a holy plain, to here and out the door within three generations. That was challenging to me as I began to see that uh, unfold. But my heart is troubled today because I'm going to tell you something, folks. It doesn't take four generations. It doesn't take three generations. My heart is troubled today because some of the most basic truths of God's Word, not ideas and notions that man have come up with, but some of the most basic truths of God's Word in just about one generation are forgotten and lost. I don't know what that does to your heart, but that puts a responsibility, a weighty responsibility on mine to think what I was given, what I was handed. I don't want to take that lightly.
I hear all types of things today now. But we live in a, we live in a day where, where a grandchild has, has trod underfoot the, the, the principles of careful, holy living that grandpa lived under. We live in a day where that's happening. Um, a grandfather who, who spent careful time studying the Word of God, who lived a careful life of, of prayer and seeking God. And yet today, we throw it asunder because we've learned better. We've learned better. I'm shocked, though, honestly, shocked at how far we can go just with the simple, basic Christmas story of how far we can go in just one generation. Parents, if you know the true meaning of Christmas, not just about the birth of a child, but the bringing of the Christ, hold it dear to your hearts and teach it to your children clearly. A Savior has been born. Behold, the Lamb of God. The only healing for your situation, the only help for your load of sin, the only hope for your salvation. It's not just a story of a miraculous baby born. It's a story of a lamb, a spotless lamb, a redeeming lamb. This is Christmas. There was a reason why John said, Behold the Lamb of God. And it was this. The world had a sin problem. The Lamb of God, his very own son, was going to do what no one else could do, take away the sin of the world. This means that through his name and power, whosoever believeth in him may receive remission of sins. That word remission means or carries with it the thought of, of sailing away, something being removed completely, long gone and far away removed. It means taking away entirely the whole of it, the punishment of it, the root of it, the body of it, the practice of it, the consequences of it, and the power of it. Jesus came to deal with the issue of sin. You know, when God does things, God does things right, doesn't he? He doesn't go half at it. He does things right. This is Christmas. This verse in John chapter 1, verse number 29, is the substance of the gospel message. And it must always be the clear focal point of all preaching. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. But one of the struggles that we face today, folks, one of the great struggles, if not the greatest struggle that we face today is that the definition of sin has been erased. The sense of sin is hardly found anywhere. I'm amazed at how careless even professing believers become when it comes to sin. Honestly, too many of the, quote, church world, they have no need of a Savior. No need of a Savior. Because there's no sin anymore. Nothing's sinful anymore. Nothing's wrong anymore. Nothing's contrary to Scripture anymore. We figured out a way to accept it all. To too many, Christmas has no significant life-changing message because there's just no need anymore for a life change. But folks, we know, we know that Jesus came that he might save his people from their sins. Oh, God delivers from the snares of the devil. 
Reveal to us a fresh and a new concept about sin and about your amazing grace. Deliver us from both the, the deeds of the sin and the root of sin. And when this happens, this is Christmas. This is Christmas. The gifts are nice. The gatherings are great. But never let the meaning of Christmas be about the little stuff. Always make it about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, Emmanuel, God with us. He came to save us, to deliver us, to set us free. Always keep the main thing the main thing. For when you as an individual experience Jesus Christ as your very own personal Savior, living and reigning in your heart and life, then you'll be able to say with great confidence, this is Christmas. This is Christmas. Shall we stand? God bless you. Thank you for being here. I do wish you a Merry Christmas. A wonderful Christmas time of gathering with your family and uh, opening gifts and just having a good time, drinking hot chocolate, eating whatever you got on the menu. I hope you have a great time at Christmas. But I want you to focus on the fact that it's all because of Jesus. It's his birthday that we celebrate. Brother Andy, will you dismiss us in prayer, please?